Good morning and welcome. Um, Amy is um, in Boston today uh, where her daughter is about to deliver their first grandchild. Um, so she asked me to, to fill in for her and to introduce uh, Kurt Powell, who is going to then introduce our, our uh, other participants this morning. Um, Kurt is um, uh, a familiar face to a lot of you. And uh, uh, for those of you who were here for the Presbyterian Women Fall Gathering, um, he's going to give sort of an expanded version of, of what he talked about then, which was, was really fascinating and, um, and meaningful for me, and I, I think it was for those of you who were present. Um, Kurt, Kurt volunteers, has volunteered for four years with an organization called the Kairos Ministry, and, um, and he um, is uh, probably one of their, their best advocates for this program because he speaks so movingly um, and so lovingly about it. So I'm going to um, let Kurt take the microphone and uh, introduce his guests, and um, thank you for coming. Thank you, Melinda. Everybody hear me okay? Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for coming today. Um, I am very passionate about this because God has called me to this ministry, and it's life-changing for, for both sides of the coin. Uh, I'd like to introduce our folks. We have our four guests from Richmond who drove up to attend. Thank you very much for coming. Um, Michael, let's see, I think Michael wants Michael, please stand up, Michael. Michael Woods, Mr. Michael Woods, he's going to give testimony as I get through some slides. He's going to tell firsthand how Carlos influenced his life and everything. I think it will be very powerful. And then we're going to finish up with Q&A, and uh, then we're going to sing a song. And I'm not the best singer, but we're going to sing a song, okay? Uh, and, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Let me see Lindell sitting there. Not, Lindell is our vice chair of the state chapter, a personal friend of mine for many years, and he's been doing Kairos for 10-plus years. Uh, on the team that goes inside. So Lindell has been uh, a great mentor to me, actually brought me along in the program. So thank you, Lindell. Sorry I didn't see you sitting down there. So Kairos, what does Kairos mean? Kairos means God's special time. It's a Greek word, God's special time. So I want you to envision being being in prison. There's, you, 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 right? I, prison, prison is very, very difficult, all right? you admit, as you would imagine. I was under the impression before I got in this ministry, I figured, well, you know what? They're in prison. They deserve what they got. Boy, I was wrong. I thought it was a cakewalk. You go inside there and you see and you feel, you realize that it's not, okay? And what you realize also is is a place where God needs to be, okay? He needs to be there because it's a devil's workshop. And we got it. We have to, we have to get in there. We have to get the Lord in there. And I'm going to start out with one thought is that, you will actually see the Holy Spirit change hearts and minds before your eyes. And I'm here to testify to that. I didn't believe it until I saw it myself. And it's the most moving thing you'll, you'll ever witness. I personally think so. You go to the, We go through our weekend together. You leave there completely spent emotionally, spiritually, and mentally because it's you're giving your all, but the Holy Spirit fills you back up with a feeling of grace and, and peace that is, is unrivaled. So... Let me start out with, you know, a, a brief presentation here. Of course, we know that the corporal works of mercy, one of them is visit the imprisoned, okay? The Lord told us long ago that, that these are the things that you do. And, you know, the Lord was a prisoner, unjustly accused, okay? So he knows. He knows what it's like. And that's why he said, visit the imprisoned. 
Cairo started in 1976 in, in Rayford, Florida, in the, in the Florida State Prison and Union Correctional Institution. Started out with a three short, three day short course in Christianity. By 1978, two years later, six states were presenting the course. There's a real need, there was a real desire to have Christ coming into the prisons. This is where we work. We work in Sussex One State Prison in Waverly, Virginia, just a little bit south of Petersburg, west of Petersburg. It was completed in 1998, houses about 1,300 inmates. Okay? Uh, interesting place. That's all. Kairos Today. Kairos Today is composed of three ministries. Inside, which is what we do, we go in, and we also have uh, the women's ministry as well as the men's ministry. So we serve women's prisons as well as men's prisons. So that, that's the inside team goes inside and ministers to, to the, to the residents. Outside team serves family members because the family members are also need, need support, need help, and need to, to find the Lord and, and help support the men inside and women inside. And Kairos Torch serves the incarcerated youth. Okay? So we try to cover the waterfront. My group is mostly the first one inside and, uh, we do a little bit on the outside, Kairos outside. This is what's amazing to me. How many how many programs do you know of, charities you know of that only have 12 full-time men and women, but have 30,000 volunteers to make this happen? That's pretty lean. <laughs> That's pretty lean. And the volunteers, uh, I think what you find is once you do one, you you just can't get enough of it because you really are uh, you're really seeing the fruits of your labor almost immediately. Today we're in 400 correctional institutions, virtually all of them in Virginia, all the way up to uh, the, the max, super max is down to the correctional institutions, 37 states and nine countries. Roughly 600,000, that's probably a low number, but 600,000 have gone through the program. We're probably closer to 800 to a million now, which is wonderful. So in a, in a nutshell, let me go through what we do here. What is it, okay? We're led by laypersons. We're, we're Christians. We're non-denominational. So we go in there, we have, you know, any all sorts of Christian faiths that are, are with our group. We go in there. Christ-centered, obviously, which is interesting because we do get attendees from the resident population that are Muslims, Odinists, you, you know, you name it. They still come. They still come. And many of them realize that Christ is the way. It's amazing to watch, amazing to educate. Ecumenical and, of course, a continuing ministry. What we, what we do is we come in and we, we do through anecdotal stories and our personal lives experiences, talk to them and do questions and answers about Christ. And we don't, we don't necessarily always read Bible verses. We do anecdotal stories and life history type things, and we talk to them. The idea is we build a church inside that they run. It's their church. And we do is support them after the weekend. So we give them a four-day weekend to educate them on what it all is, what Christ is, what Christ can do, the power of love and forgiveness. And then they run it after that. We, we go every Saturday. There's one of our representatives that does a prayer and share for an hour and a half. They meet together, those that have gone through the program. They meet together and do a prayer and share with each other. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then once a month we do a two-day reunion, which we just did last weekend at Sussex. Saturday and Sunday we spend the day, both days with them, and they, we go through a number of readings and talk, talk points and just, you know, get to further reinforce it. And all the rest of the time, they they run themselves. They get together in little Bible study groups. So what we're doing is building a church on the inside. So out of the 1,300 uh, inmates at Sussex, we probably have got about 300, 350 that have gone through the program and established a church. You know, and and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to watch because they 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 really get quite passionate about it. So our our mission 
is the, is the transforming love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Okay, the hardest thing for them, I believe, to, to, to realize is that God forgives. There there are many of the men there that that struggle with that. Well, no, God will never forgive me. Yes, He will. He forgave while He was hanging on the cross. The criminals next to Him. You know, we talk about these things with them. That coming to the realization of forgiveness is huge for them. It's huge. It's very important. We impact the hearts and lives of them. You know, they, you see a change start to happen. It doesn't necessarily happen all the way. It's like, it's like we've heard about this mustard seed. Sometimes it's just a seed. But later on, it takes root and starts to grow. And watching that growth is, is, is like watching your children grow up and, and, and watching them develop and become people of faith. And it's, it's wonderful to watch. And that, of course, become loving and productive citizens uh, when and if they get out. Hearts are changed. This is the impact right here. The wardens love us to come in. Prisons, violence and reduction and violence is there because now they've found Christ and there's a, there's a, there's a different mindset. Recidivism rates, I think that says a lot right there. 55% by 16%. Because what we do is we want to support them when they get out and they continue their, their faith walk as they, after they get out. So I think this is really important, and that's one of the reasons why Kairos is welcomed into the, into the prisons, because the wardens realize this is a good thing. In fact, at our prison, even when they reduced and modified other programs that were offered, they left Kairos alone because they said this thing works, and they asked us if we could even do a third one a year, which is, which is heavy duty, but we're working towards that someday, we hope. So what can you do to help? What, what can you do to help us? Well, I'm obviously looking for people to go inside with us. Obviously, you have to be a man to go inside with ours, uh, with our group, but, you know, we're looking for people to, to recruit to go inside, but those that can't go inside, we need a copy. Because when we do our, our mission on the four day weekend, we take things with us that slowly open the hearts and minds of them as we do it. So let me give you an example of some examples. When we're inside on the four day, we have two four day weekends a year, and that's intense. We go, sun up to sundown basically and with them the whole time there's prayers going on there's a prayer chain goes on 24 hours a day while we're inside other prisons are praying for us people on the outside like y'all are praying for us all around the clock because there's no question about it we're engaged in spiritual warfare when we're inside the evil one doesn't want us to be there in fact many times tries to stop us to even get there all right i'm telling you for a fact i've watched it so we're we need the prayers to fight back and that's that's one of the things Baking cookies. Everybody goes, why are we giving cookies? Cookies, if you ever ate the food in Sussex One Prison, you'd know why cookies are important. You know, I spent 23 years in the military, and I had some bad food, but I never had bad food like I had at Sussex One. I mean, sometimes you don't really know what it is. I mean, I, don't, I have to ask the guys, hey, should I eat this? Like, I don't eat that. But uh, but the cookies is an example of agape love. Like, I remember one of the questions I got was, why, why would somebody I don't even know bake cookies for me? Home-baked cookies. Why, why would they do that? It's because it's agape love, all right? You are loved. One of, one of my men said, you know, no one in my life has ever told me they love me. No one. It really tears at your heart, you know? A lot of times these guys break down and, and emotion, get emotional. And to do that inside is, is, is a risk, okay? But, you know, it's the love from the outside. So cookies, we do posters. Okay, posters that we put up on the walls, colorful posters that people write things, you know, hang in there, you know, keep keep following the way. 
placemats. Uh, you see these different placemats here that people make. The kids, a lot of the kids will draw these, and they can take these back to their cells, which they do. They really like that because a lot of them have children. Many of them are fathers, and they want. That reminds them of their children, so they put them back. They, they love those things. So we we take stacks of these handmade placemats, is which our church here could do to help, in addition to posters. And, of course, financial donations because basically we, we don't get much of a budget. We just run off our own things. I mean, we, we pay for our own, you know, way down there and our stuff. It's okay. That's just part of the deal. But sometimes, you know, admin supplies to make things that we have to take in, like the staplers and the paper and stuff like that. So those are the kind of things that can be done to help. This is the prayer chain uh, we talk about. This is actually a very moving thing. Uh, when we When we bring this out, they are they're quite amazed they say i can't believe all these people are praying for us and it has the name and the date and time of the person who it is is praying for them in half hour increments around the clock and everywhere around the country and even around the world we get people to do time zone when it's easier for them to pray in the middle of the night on their time zone they'll do it so people volunteer and sign up online to, for the prayers cookies this is just a portion of the number of cookies we take in there all right, we take in 2,600 dozen cookies, 31,200. Each man going inside, like myself, uh, is responsible to bring 100 dozen cookies. My wife will tell you all about it. <laughs> and I actually cook cookies. I mean, we, we all pitch in. But it's an amazing thing what happens. Now, what do we do with them? All right, in addition to, to having them at the tables when we're talking to them, and, and boy, do they eat cookies. I, I thought I ate a lot of cookies, but these guys eat cookies. Uh, we have we do forgiveness cookies. So one of the things we teach them is the the power of forgiveness, and we say we're giving you an extra dozen cookies. You take it to somebody you want their forgiveness for, for maybe something that that you've done to them or they've done to you, and it's a it's a big deal inside to have a dozen cookies handed to you. Okay, it may not sound like much to us, but it's a big deal. So that's our forgiveness cookies. So we use a lot of them for that. We do a cookie walk. Every man in there gets a cookie bag of cookies, one dozen cookies. So even if they don't attend the course, we go around and we go cell to cell and hand them cookies. And you know what? We get more polite comments than than if we gave them out here on the street. They are so appreciative, and it really is amazing, you know, and and they, they love them. You know, they're, just, they're homemade cookies, you know, with love in them. And then, of course, the weekend consumption, which I mentioned. That's an example of the posters that I mentioned. There. Here's another one. Uh, one of the things you'll be, be amazed at the number of great artists inside. Uh, I, I've watched guys take just a piece of lead and do some beautiful artwork. There's some really talented, very smart people that, you know, for whatever circumstances are, are inside. Okay, and believe it or not, it's not that not that hard to get swept up in the system and get inside. Any one of us could be in there at any time too, because of the way the system works. Placemats, again, I told you the placemats are easy to do. The children can make them. They can be any, it can be any, anything they want. We screen them, but you know, they don't want to have anything nasty on there, but, but most of the time it's all love and, and, you know, cheerful and colorful. And then of course they take them back to their, to their cells. Before I get to Michael, just a quick summary. Uh, we need men to join our inside team. Please get the word out. It's not easy work. Okay. But that's what makes it so rewarding, all right? We train, no matter how many times we do it, we still train as a group for four Saturdays before we go, four full Saturdays to, 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 to get our act together, make sure we're adhered as a team, 
and to be ready because we want to be ready and cohesive when we go in to put our best face forward for for the men okay so it's not easy but but it's a great it's a great brotherhood and a sisterhood for those women that go into the women's prisons because you're 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 working with fellow people that really care and when you go inside as a team we really bond and and and, and a lot of blessings come with it they really do as i said it's spiritual warfare you know there there's there's going to be weird things that happen I'm not trying to make it dramatic or a movie or anything, but I'm telling you, the, the evil one does not want us in there, and uh, that's why I want to go even more. I guess that's just the fight in me from being a Marine, but I'm telling you, I love I love going in, and, you know, let's let's do it. And then we don't want to let our residents down, okay? There's a waiting list to come to our program, sometimes a year or two years long, a waiting list. They want to come, so we can't let them down. And we're getting to the point now where we're running low on guys to go do it. So if you pass the word, it's I think you'll do it once. The first time you do it, it's a little scary because you don't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been inside a prison. You go through ten sally ports and you realize you're inside. But I have never, ever once feared for my safety, and I've always felt like the Holy Spirit was just swirling around us and with them that it was it's, a, it's an unbelievable feeling. You would never expect. And, again, of course, Cookies, posters, placemats, and such. So, without further ado, with all the, the, the my yakking away, I'd like to introduce Mr. Michael Woods, who want to give his firsthand testimony of how Kairos worked for him. Michael. Good morning. Can every, can everyone hear me? Yeah. Uh, where can I start? Well, first I'm gonna ask this question. Why are you in this room? Probably because your pastor asked you to come and hear a presentation. Then you probably say, well, I say I'm a Christian and I say I believe in God, so I must believe in forgiveness. So if that's true, then hopefully I can share something that will encourage you to go back, talk to your husbands, ask them to come and join, or you tell you want to bake some cookies or you want to get involved in some way because that's very, very important. Now, the reason why I do what I do because how Kairos has affected my life in such a positive way. But I woke up one day and I asked this question. I said, how many men and women on the outside wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm going to just go commit a crime so I can go to prison. <laughs> because all those guys in Sussex and every other prison, they didn't do that. They didn't just wake up one day and say, let me go commit a crime and go to prison. Because it's all kinds of factors that lead to that point. So in 1997, October 16, I was in Kings Bay, Georgia. I'd done eight years in the military. And my mother told me, she said, I want all my kids together when I die. I'm 23 at a time, so I said, okay, Mom, let's go. I can't just move back to Louisiana where I'm from, so I move all my family to Georgia on a military base. So when my mother died on October 16, laying in my bed, I didn't have nobody to talk to because I didn't know how to deal with all that responsibility at 23. So what I did is, I said, I have to make money by any means necessary to take care of my little brothers and sister because they was from the age of 10 all the way to 16. So what I did, 
I got out of the military. I moved to Norfolk. And I began to just live crazy and reckless because I had to take care of my little brothers. I want to make sure I didn't let my mother down. So what happened? You do enough wrong, you get caught. So I ended up in prison. So I ended up in prison, and it was March 17, 2004. I was laying in my bed inside of the prison room, and I heard a voice say, son, give your life to God. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then I couldn't sleep. So about 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I don't know what this is about, but I done tried everything else, I'm going to try you. So I gave my life to God. When I gave my life to God, they moved me to Greensville Correctional Center. Greensville is the largest prison in the state of Virginia. Is the, is the place where from here to your parking lot is the death chamber. So that's where they kill every person that gets killed at. That, that's where I was at. So when I walked in the rec yard, I would see that little spot. When they killed Muhammad and all those Melville, all those guys, I was right there. I was right there and like, the brother said, whenever there's an execution, you can sense the spirit of heaviness. It's like nobody's at peace doing that phase till that next morning it gets a little bit back normal. So that's what's going on. So imagine a bunch of men who have done wrong. Some are innocent. Most are not. And then you have this going on on top of us dealing with whatever we deal with to survive in prison. So I heard of this place, this thing called Kairos, and the blessed thing I was, there wasn't Kairos in the unit I was in until I got there. So the first time the guys from Northern Virginia came, I was there, the first time they walked in. So Kairos showed me something that I had never seen before, and what I'd never seen before, I had I seen multiple backgrounds of the Christian faith come together, and no one ever told me there was Methodist. No one ever told me there was Beth or Baptist. No one ever told me there was Presbyterian. All they said was, God love you. That's, that's the only thing that they said, God love you. And I, and, I, and I said, man, if this is what heaven is like, this is what I want. Because I don't want the denomination. I don't want you doing this because you agree with this. I just want to say, this is how Jesus loves us. So I went to Kairos, and then when I went to Kairos, I was at the time leading the church in the inside. And I learned now since I've been out that if I'm going to be a leader, I want a church of all women. <laughs> because it is so much easier. It is so much easier to deal with women versus men trying to tell them about God. So I had the, the blessed privilege of dealing with 152 guys every week. And that was extremely hard. And, and the guy, Larry, who stood up, there was times where I would have, where well, God said, go tell Larry something. And I had to literally go to Larry and tell him this. And Larry would say, you know, he'll braise up because he's bigger than me. And I would say, I'm not afraid of you because I know God told me to tell you this. And, and he would just have to deal with it because if he dealt with me, God would deal with him. But I was cool with that. So. What, what, what helped me the most is on a Saturday night, when, when Kairos goes on, this is, how, this is how it goes. The guys come in on Thursday, and we're sitting around the tables, and we introduce ourselves. And then when, when, when we leave back, we're like, what's up with these guys coming to prison wanting to hug? 
want, want, wanting to say, I love you. So Friday comes and the actual day gets started. And the guys get in there and they listen to different types of uh, talk on forgiveness, on God's love. And then by the end of that day, when the guys leave and go back, they're like, man, when, 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 what time we got to go in the morning? What time we got to go in the morning? Because they never experienced people coming from the outside, inside, sharing the love of God. So when they go back the next morning, they're excited. Now they want a hug. Now, this is what a lot of people don't realize this. And I, and I shared this at the, at the last group. You don't know if I'm going to be your neighbor. But this is what you need to be aware of. Every year, thousands of men and women coming out of prison. So what my job is, what your job is, in case I meet this young lady at Walmart, in case I meet this guy at Walmart, I want to say, you know what, God, I try to make them a little bit better because if they're my neighbor and it's still the same, then they might come in my house at night. I mean, I'm, that, that, that's the fact because I don't know where I'm going to run into somebody who's been in prison. If he didn't tell you, you would never know I was in prison. And that's what we have to realize. We have to say, okay, Lord, why, what, what is my purpose? Why do I do what I do? Because, okay, I got saved. I go home. I do this. So my daughter, my, my son, what if they fall in love with a prisoner after he got out? Or are you going to tell your daughter she can't talk to this guy who now is working and doing this because he used to be in prison? So I, I say all of that because Kairos has done this for me. I sat down on a Saturday. So Friday they come through, they go, they go through the normal day of the speaks and talk. Saturday they have a forgiveness ceremony. So the forgiveness ceremony is a ceremony where we have a lay person comes in and he shares about forgiveness, about God love. Now, what, what I experienced a lot is I had uh, a gang member on this side and I had another gang member on this side. And the gang member, he was like, man, Mike, I ain't really feeling this God thing, this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay. So I would walk back in the back and I would say, Lord, I need you to show off today. <laughs> That's all I would say. I would say, God, I need you to show off. Then I'll go back and sit down. And then halfway through the ceremony, he's looking for tissue. Because something happened in the midst of that, and he broke down. And he would share, he would say, man, I've never heard nobody say I love me. My mother never said I love me. And he would be like, man, I didn't know forgiveness is real. So when I see God do that, that motivates me. And I was, I was actively involved. I ran the inside of Kairos the whole time I was there. That's why Lindell was always trying to get me to come and speak all the time. And, and, and I say that because this is what happened. I'd done 15 years. I'd done 15 years, and then when I got out, I can go home right now. And inside of my box, I have a placemat that a six-year-old color for me. I have letters that women and men from the outside wrote to me. Because being from Louisiana, my mother died, I didn't have visits. So what happens is this. When you get lonely... You pull out that letter. And for that moment, you say, you know what? Somebody's thinking about me because I'm trying to survive to, to make it to another day in prison. So we'll read those letters over and over and over. And we'll say, we, I, I don't know who Susie is. I never met her. I don't know who she is. But guess what? She thought about me. So for that moment, that gives me some, some hope to make it till tomorrow because I'm just trying to get to that release date no matter how far away it is. So 
it is so much that is done that you may not realize how powerful you are in just being supportive of this ministry. So that's why I, I love the ministry. Now, Cairo's done more for me than most guys. Because one of those two days reunion, I was sitting in the gym and I spoke. And then this lady named Monica, she came and she introduced herself. She had her husband with her. And she's like, something about you. And I'm like, okay, I'm Mike, whatever. So she met me and we began to talk. And then the next time they came back in, she told me, God want us to help you. And I say, all right, that's what's up, cool. But when I left, you know what I said to myself? they just like everybody else. They come in, make a promise, forget it. So I didn't even take it seriously. So after time passed, the husband would kept coming in, and he was like, man, I'm supposed to help you. I'm supposed to help you. And I'm like, okay, all right, people say it all the time, okay. So he told me, say, God has blessed my roofing business since I agreed to help you. So now I'm getting close to being released from prison. So I said, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? So he said, I want you to go to Northern Virginia. I don't know nobody in Northern Virginia. I've never been to Northern Virginia. So why would I go to a place I don't know nobody? So I said, God, if you want me to go to Northern Virginia, close every other door and let that be the only door. So when the counselor came and said, Mr. Woods, I need an address. I said, all right, I'll get you one. So I said, God, halfway house, my brother couch, because all of them are grown now. So I, I made a call and I talked to Monica, husband. And he said, here's the address. Tell him you're going to be living here. So I gave the address and I say, I don't believe this is true. So when it came time to be released, he was at the gate. He was at the gate. He picked me up. I went to his church. Chuck, everybody showed me love. And then when I went to the house, I walked in. And the house was completely furnished. The house was completely furnished. Inside the house was his wife. And his wife said, God love you so much. Everything in here is yours for free. This is your apartment. And I said, you can't tell me that there isn't a guy because I met this couple through Kairos. I didn't ask for them. She said one more thing. We got to go to the grocery store. So we went to the grocery store. And she said, I know you've been in there for a while. You haven't had anything. What do you want to eat? We're going to buy it for you. So I took the cart. And I'm riding around. And she's like, oh, why is the cart empty? I was like, I'm trying to pick what I want. So she said, okay, let's go to the front of the store. So we go to the front of the store. And then. She's like, you like this? 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 And I'm like, hold on. And then she said, hold on, get another basket. So when we get to the cash register, she's like, hold on, let me call the person paying. Hey, baby, come pay for this. And that's what she did. She called her husband in. So when they rang it up, it was $672 worth of, front, worth of groceries. So I said, why me? God said, why not you? Because he showed me that love gets past of all this. So since I've been out, I got out. Now, remember, I said my mother died October 16th, 1997. I got out of prison October 16th, 2018. 
God worked all that out. So when I got out, I got out on a Tuesday. I started working on a Thursday. And I started working on a Thursday. And this is what is needed even more than going in prison. I was working, and I didn't have my ID yet. So he dropped me off. I wanted to go to, uh, my whole thing I wanted to do was go to one of those places and do self-checkout. I wanted to see how the self-checkout worked. So I went in there to do self-checkout, and he drove off. He drove off, and then I got, I came out of the store, and I couldn't find him. My mind said, he's gone. But what's even more so was that was, I don't have an ID. A cop passed by, another cop passed by. I sat on the bench, and I said, I can't go back to prison. And at that moment, I said, God, you've been here for the whole time. I need you. He pulled up. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I say, a lot of people don't realize you gave me everything I needed when I got out of prison, material. But I need support. I need somebody to be able to call and talk to at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm tripping. I need somebody to let me know that, listen, this is not going to be easy getting out, but I'm going to be here with you. Because sometimes the money is great. But what's even better than the money is for me being able to say, can you pray for me? Can you talk to me? Because I'm dealing with some things and I don't know how to deal with it. Because if I had somebody to talk to me, I would have never made it to prison. Because they would have showed me, listen, yes, you're 23 and you got to try to take care of five siblings. But guess what? It's another way of doing it. And you know what hurt me more than anything, and this is, what I, this, this is why every woman in this room is so important. I got four daughters. I got a 16, 25, 26, and 27-year-old daughter. And when you're in prison, you can use the phone every now and then. And what I wish I had more than anything in prison was somebody number that I can say, hey, can you call my daughter? Can you ask her to come to church? Can you minister to her if she need help? Because I'm not ashamed of what happened because God showed me what he needed more than anything. My daughter said, Dad, something happened two weeks ago. And I'm ashamed of it, but I thought it was love. My daughter at the time is 19 years old. She lives in Norfolk, Virginia. And she said, Dad, my boyfriend told me if I love him, to transport some drugs in her vagina. And what I, what I realized at that moment, I didn't know what love was. Neither did my child. But I wanted some person on the outside that I could call to talk to my daughter while I was on the inside. And I say that because there is men right now that has kids and they desire some woman in this room to just talk to their daughter, talk to their son and say, listen, I understand that your daddy is in prison, but guess what? You still have to survive. You still have to go on. So it is way bigger than just you 
giving $10. It's bigger than just the cookies. It's bigger than you just coming in. It is allowing God to use you to affect the lives of me in prison, my children out of prison, because they all need the support. It's not my daughter's fault that I end up in prison. She was two years old. So I, I, I say that because my, my desire is that that guy who called me last week, because the guys call, they call me constantly. They call me. And, and what I do is I, uh, seek donations from Lindell. And what I do, I give, I, I give care packages during the holidays. I send them electronic stamps so that they're able to communicate with their children and their family. And I try to put $5 on the phone so they can call because just that opportunity to get away from prison through a phone call goes a long way. So there's a whole lot that, that, that is involved in this ministry, but you have to ask this question to yourself. Am I really going to get involved and be committed? Because I don't have to go in prison to support prison. But what I have to do is say, when I look in the mirror and ask this, what if my son make a mistake? Would I want you to support him? What if my daughter is with someone that make a mistake? Because it doesn't, it, you don't have to be the guilty party to go to prison. There, there is a lot of men getting out of prison right now that is, that's totally innocent. So it doesn't matter about guilt or innocence. It's about what, what is my purpose? Why do I do what I do as a man or woman of God? Because every Sunday I go to church, I go home, and I try to be a good example for my community and everything. So Jesus said do this. And, and I don't try to use this, but I, I know there's a lot of guys use this as like a, a, a recruiting tactic. That the scripture that, G, that, that he said, go into prison, do all that. Well, that is true. That is true, but don't do it just because that scripture say do it. Do it because you want to say, you know what, I made a difference in somebody's life. That's why, that's why I ask that you do it. Not just because the scripture say do it. So, I, I want to take maybe five minutes and, and any question you want to ask. Because when, when you go to prison the first time, the gates close, you go through a whole bunch of uh, searches, and you, 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 you go in with the mindset, these are criminals. I don't understand. I don't know. But what you find out is this. The most fulfilling experience you will ever fulfill in, in, in your life is when you share love with someone and you see their life change. I don't care what you do. I promise you. I don't care what you accomplish in life. You will never find a greater fulfilling than for you to know that you share the love with somebody and their life change. That will change you forever. That's why every person that has gone in, they always go back a second time. Every time the wives go in on closing, they meet guys and they realize, like, hold up. The world is crazy outside and inside. But the difference is, God said, I got all these knuckleheads in one place. They finally didn't slow down. Now I might be to reach them. Because on the street, I couldn't reach them. So I, I, I really hope and pray that, you know, something I said encourage you. And I'm emotional because of my girls, because I know what God done. And any question that you have, it, does, it doesn't matter. Any question that you have, feel free to ask. 
and anything that you want to do to support prayers anyway please do so if you're feeling some kind of way right now then that's probably God saying hey you know what I need to do more because I don't believe in coincidence every person in this room God nudged them some way shape or form and said come in this room today and listen for some reason now it's between you and God what you're going to do with what you heard and what that feeling is doing inside of you so if you have any question, feel free to ask me. I'll answer. I'm an open book. I'm not ashamed of anything because I know who I was. But most of all, I know who I am today. And that's all that matters because I'm a child of God. And every single day I work to help somebody out. And I work to try to make a better road for the guys who are coming out tomorrow, next week, and next month. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. My daughter now is she's doing well and she calls me almost every day. And the, the communication we have is this. If I get a text and it says, Dad, I got an issue. I need to talk. That's all she say. And I know. But if she don't say Dad and she just says something else, everything's good. So that's how we that's how that's how we do. Yes. Other questions? No, that's what I'm trying to do. Right. What? Well, no, that's 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 what I'm trying to do. That's what me and me and Lindell is trying to do. What I'm trying to create is part two. I'm trying to create part two because here here's what I do. When a guy gets out and he says, Mike, I'm going to this area. I'm trying to contact Lindell and the brother and say, listen, you're welcome to my church because I want them to go straight out. And that first Sunday, come to this church. But the problem that I'm having is this. A lot of the churches are not welcoming. They, they don't they don't they don't want the guys to come. So now I'm like, OK, Lord, why is your people not welcoming your people? Because that, that's that's the issue. So that's what I'm trying to do. So what I what I do is I, I go around and talk to guys and I said, OK, uh, if you want to be on a on a on a. Uh, pen pal list, but you don't write letters, everything is done electronically now because of security reasons, then I can say, okay, I can give you a name of 10 guys that you can email back and forth. Ask, they'll ask you questions or whatever. So that's, that's what I do. And what, what, I, what I also do is I ask, do you want to do uh, packages? Like what you do is because the food is terrible. Three times a year, they allow you to order food from an outside vendor and it delivered to them during Christmas time. You can order them an uh, uh, item. And so all those things I offer through pastor. So that's what I'm trying to do because I, I try, I, I'm trying to get every church that's willing to listen to me to have at least 10, 15 people that's willing to say, you know what, I want to be a mentor. I want to be in communication with someone electronically being able to ask a spiritual question, being able to tell them that there is hope because Kairos goes in and start and then that's it because we need a part two. We need we need to have some people on the outside saying, hey, because the guy, he sent your email 
whenever you get time, email him back. Or you might call him and be like, man, I'm just going through this week. Because suicide is real in prison. I don't have no support. I, can, can you imagine 15 years without ever communicate with nobody on the outside? You, it's just you in that cage. You, you don't get visits. You don't get phone calls. You don't get letters. So something as simple as that can save somebody's life. So that's that's the that's the part two. So if there is an interest in being on a on a pen pal list or anything of that sort between Pastor me Lindell, I tell you everything you have to do. It, it's not an issue. Right now, the email you can get electronic stamps. You can get twenty stamps for nine ninety five. You can buy the stamps, you can send it to the guys, and they can email back and forth whenever they're feeling down, they want or whatever. So it's really no risk because you're not sending them anything. You're doing everything and just electronically sending it to them. So that, that's one way uh, that you do it. You know, as God leads you, if you choose to accept a phone call, that's between you and them at the time. Everything is screened, so you're not going to get no crazy calls or whatever. And all the guys that that I give names and numbers to is guys that goes through the church. And one thing that I also do is I try to keep God. I, I started a hygiene bag. I started a hygiene bag in every building. So what 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 happens with that is guys are able to come and get a bar of soap, some toothpaste for free. Now, here's what we do. We invite them to church because we give them out at church. So you're going to come to church at least one time to get this. So you can get it. It's no charge. But but that's just something God, I started before I left. So what I do is I try to continue supporting that. You know, I, 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 it's guys in there. I send them $25 and, and they buy hygiene to give away. Now, understand, Roman noodles is probably five ten for a dollar Roman noodles is 65 cents that's that's how to take it take advantage of those guys you have an option of, of two toothpaste the the ultra bright is at Walmart or Costco 89 cent is two dollars plus in prison so the things that is it's hard if you don't have no support to and, and what they do is they give you when you travel and they give you the travel kit in the hotels that's the energy packet. They get, you can get that every two weeks. So what, what happens is if, if we don't have support or they can't go to the church hygiene bag, they take that tube of toothpaste. And to survive, and this, this, this is true, they take that tube of toothpaste and they brush their teeth every other day. Because I don't have enough to brush my teeth once a day. So guess what happens now? So if Kairos comes in, Kairos can help this environment to be peaceful or... Kairos stays out and the guy's like, I'm trying to survive. So I'm going to steal from this guy. I'm going to do whatever I got to do because I don't have my basic necessities because I committed a crime. Yes. But should I still be just like I'm not human? But that's what the system does. They give you some, but they don't give you enough to even survive. So all those things is how I support the men in the inside. That's what I do. There was a church that said, you know what? I don't trust you, Mike. Fine. I'm going to take away every excuse that you have. You don't trust me to give you the money? 
okay, get somebody in your church, give me a laptop, I'm going to show you how to do it. I ain't got to touch nothing. It doesn't matter. Because that's not going to be the excuse you're going to use. If you want to donate, if you want to give, you can trust me, or I can show you how to do it yourself. Either way, I just want the men that I left behind to have help and support. That's just how I roll. It's not about me. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Can you can you share with us? You said the couple met you when you came out. Who else? Who helped you get the job? What what was that job, or what is that job? He owned the roofing company. God 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 sent this couple divinely in my life because. Darren owned the roofing company, and when I got out, I started working two days later. So Darren Roofing Company was blessed because he said God told him to help me. So they gave me everything, and I started work two days later. Now, what I am trying to do now is I am trying to find employment for the men as well. I'm trying to find employment. So that's how I got it. I, I had... With no one else, I probably had. I mean, and that's part of why I'm the way I am because I didn't, I didn't have the struggle of going and look for a job. God provided everything for me because I said, God, it's bigger than me. I want to do this. So I don't need to use this to, to prevent me from doing this. So that's, that's how it happened for me. And I mean, right now, I, uh, my pastor owns a construction company called Kingdom Work Construction. And two months ago, he told me that it's time to go to the next level, so you need to run the company. So we need to do this, this, and this, build a halfway house. We need to start doing this for guys coming out. So that's that's what I'm, I'm just trying to walk. You, you said before you even, even met this program that you felt a call. Yes, ma'am. Now... I think that that call was your mother, and I <laughs> and I think that whether or not it was your five siblings, you have you are still taking care of the number that is growing, plus those of us that that hear you and are are being blessed by you. But yes, you you definitely have been called. Thank you. And thank you for responding. Yes. Uh, yes. Other questions? Brother Michael. Yes, ma'am. You know, God is just so awesome. <laughs> because here's what happened. Uh, I was disowned at birth. I was disowned at birth because my dad said I was too dark because my grandfather is white my grandmother is black so my dad disowned me high school prom he disowned me a second time and God is so awesome because I went home for Christmas and on Christmas Eve I met my uncle my dad's brother and he said 
I want to invite you somewhere. So God blessed me that this Christmas I was able to spend five hours at my dad's house. Wow. Yes, sir. You know, this is how you respond. When, when, I, when I first walk up, he looked at me and his brother's next to him and he's like, hey, Michael. And I say, hey, Michael. Because I'm, I'm a junior. That's crazy. You, you, you name me after you, but you disown me. So I, I tried to hug him and he's like, Reserve. So I say, I've been forgiven. I, I've been wanting this to happen, and I don't even want an explanation. Let's deal with today until the rest of your life. That's all that matters to me. Because, because here's the thing. Every time I ask a question, is a shovel. Because the pain that God healed me from, I don't need to revisit. So therefore, I'm leaving it where God put it because if, if I, Dad, why? Because see, this is the question. I could have said, Dad, why wasn't you at my mom's funeral? Dad, why did you disown me? Dad, why did you do this? Dad, why did you that? And God said, you know what? That don't matter. Make the best of today and the rest of the time that he has. That's all that matters. So that's what I try to do. I try to live today till next week. Yes, sir. Yes, what the military gave me today is uh, uh, discipline. What military gave me today is that there is resources there, but you got to go get them. Because even in the military, Here's how I go. I got to go through all this red tape to get what I really need. Now, at 23, I could have probably went to my commander and said, hey, man, my mom just died. Help me this, this, and this. I probably could have done it. But in that moment, I was overwhelmed because she died in my bed, and I didn't know what to do. Because, see, I, the, the part of the story I left out is this, and I'm going to say this right quick, that God, that, that God was always in my life. When my mother died, in my bed, I got on the phone and I picked up and I said, can you take my mother's body, prepare it and send it back to Louisiana? Eight o'clock the next morning, I get a phone call that says, and I'm going fast. Eight o'clock the next morning, I get a phone call and I say, and they say, can you come to my office? I'm in Kings Bay, Georgia. So when I go to the office, I look in the back where the door is and I see a leg hanging over a piece of metal. So I learned later that was my mother. Okay, so here's what happened. So at eight o'clock that morning, this is what the guy said. I'm sorry, we don't do black bodies. So I got all this going on, right? But listen, this is how this is how awesome God is. So now I'm fearful because I'm like, I'm messed up. My grandfather's all in white. My mom and all in black. Now my mother, who I love more than anything, they won't even prepare her body. And it's not about money. It was just about preparing it. But because they said they don't do black bodies. So now I'm struggling with that. All right. So let me tell you what God does. God says this. My daughter goes to the door. Dad, she's only two years old. It's a white man at the door. So I go to the door, Michael Phillips. Michael Phillips is a really good friend that was in the military. He's a cook. So I open the door, and at this moment, I, I don't, I don't, I got an issue. Mike, I don't want to talk to nobody. Only because he's white. Because I'm trying to deal with all of this in that moment. So he knocks again. And he's like, man, just listen, give me a minute, give me a minute. And I'm like, not right now, Mike. I don't want to talk to you. Mike didn't do nothing wrong. But I'm 23. I'm dealing with all of this hours after my mother just died in my bed. 
So the third knock, Mike did like this. Stop. Listen, listen. So I opened up the door. And this is how God always does this in my life. Mike said, listen, I heard about your mother. Take this. Go to Louisiana. And if you need anything, call me when you get back. This was God done. You can't blame every white person because of the ignorance of one. Here is Michael Phillips. Here is what I want to do through Michael Phillips, son, even before you even deal with me. Michael Phillips handed me a Texaco gas card. He handed me one key. This man gave me his Texaco gas card and a key to a 1997 brand new customized van that had 42 miles on it he had bought two days ago to take my family home free of charge. That's how God works. That's how he's been working in my life because he lets me learn certain things. You can't hate anyone because of the ignorance of someone else. So all those things happen. And that's why I'm so the way I am today, because I understand I've been on both sides. I know how it is to not forgive. I know how it is to get forgiveness. I know how it is to hate. I know how it is to love. So that's, that's how I roll. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Yes, sir. All right, I'd like to finish up real quick. Uh, one thing here, uh, just quickly, testimony in my life. I, I never had done anything with Kairos before, but I ended up, this ended up coming into my life through somebody riding in the car saying, had a great weekend, what'd you do, did Kairos. I looked into it. I started attending the Kairos and participating. And little did I know in my own life that the father of my granddaughter would be a, a, a resident of Greenville and was released as, as, as ex-felon, right? God put Kairos in my life to change my outlook and open my heart up so in my own family and I could, I could welcome him home. And the point of this was going through Kairos last weekend, I asked my, my men at my table, please pay for my future son-in-law because, you know, he's, he's going through, he's falsely accused and he's facing a thing. And there I said, your prayers count. You're inside, your prayers count. God's listening to you because you're fighting against the devil every day inside. They prayed for him, and everything was wiped up clean on Tuesday when he went to court. So that's the power of God in my life and Carlos in my life. And I, I would like to thank you. Thank you. And, and I would like to close with one thing. I'm going to ask you all to, to, to do one thing that we do in the, in the prison when we finish at the end of it. We all stand up and form a circle around the room and hold hands, and we sing the song called Shirley, which is up. the words are up here. It's a very moving thing when you're standing up, and the man to your right and the man to your left may never get out of prison, but he's singing this song. And I, I'm going to do my best to sing. My brothers here will help me sing it. But please let's try to do this because I think it's a great way to finish this uh, finish this off. So I'll try to – I'll have to use a microphone in one hand here a little bit. Here we go. Okay. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate your time. Thank you.